0: You wouldn't believe the character I ran into on the way here. He was something else. So we're in Acts 10. So if you want to turn to Acts 10. And while you're turning there, I want to share a little bit about my family. So uh, there's a section of Heather and I's family um, that we're really unsure of where they're at with Jesus they believe in Him? Or are they following Him? We're just, we're just not sure. About five years ago, we were, we were pretty discouraged. We were basically never having conversations with them about Jesus uh, and felt like we couldn't. Now, that was probably just feelings, because we certainly could have. But it didn't seem like they wanted to. And then suddenly one night, one of them started opening up to me, just asking all sorts of questions about the Bible, about Jesus, about God. Just floods of questions. You name it. Uh, and to this day, I, I don't know where this person's at. I don't know if they believe in Jesus or not. It's, it's kind of fuzzy. Um, I do know this, that they drove two hours to meet with me a couple times and to come to church. And it was just just incredible. And it was clear that God was moving and God was up to something and still is up to something. When I had about given up. When Heather and I had about given up on this section of the family. See, when God softens people's hearts, when God softens people's hearts, are we going to be ready? Are you going to be ready? Or are you going to miss out? You miss out because you decided not to speak up, because you decided, you know what? I can't talk about Jesus with these people. God clearly moves in Cornelius' heart in this scripture today. And Peter was ready. And it seemed like Peter didn't even want to do this. But he was ready and willing and obedient. So, let's read Acts 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, that's 3 p.m., he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? He said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went on the housetop about the sixth hour, that's noon, to pray. And he became hungry because most people become hungry at noon. I certainly do And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What's the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. So he invited them to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered, and he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your alms have been remembered before God send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon who's called Peter he's lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea so I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord so you can just imagine here they are here they are Cornelius and a bunch of people who are known as god-fearers okay they didn't they didn't know Jesus, but they're god fears. They, they obey God. They loved God. And so you can just, you, you can just see the anticipation. Peter's going to share with us the missing piece. Okay, here it is, verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Verse 46, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Okay, why did all of that just happen? A lot just happened. I know that was a lot to take in. Why did it all happen? Here's why. Let's look at the next few verses in chapter 11. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. And then he explains everything we read in, verse 10, in chapter 10. And then we get to, the, to verse 18. When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. These guys were just criticizing Peter in chapter 11, 1-4. They were criticizing Peter. Why did you do this? What's going on? And by verse 18, after he explains it all, they're they're, they're like, "I, I don't know what to say. So here's why all of this happened in chapter 10. Here's the point. The point is that the good news of Jesus is for everyone. See, what happens in chapter 10 is that all are convinced that the good news of Jesus is for all. And so we see, look at at Peter's reaction in verse 17. And this is verse 17, 11, 17 is what, this is his final thought. This is going to be Our outline for the rest of this message, it says, If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was was I that I could stand in God's way? That's how this happened. That's how everyone was convinced. Even the critics were convinced that the good news of Jesus is for all. God, it says in verse 17, God did this. We see that all through chapter 10, 1-43. And then chapter 10, 44-46, we see, we see what's said in verse 17, that the Holy Spirit is given to the Gentiles. He gave the same gift to them that He gave to the Jews. And then thirdly, Peter didn't stand in God's way. He says, who was I to stand in God's way? So there's, there's where we're going. So how is everyone convinced that the good news of Jesus is for all? God. Chapter 10, 1 through 43 is, is just laced with God orchestrating all of the details of things with really supernatural things that happen. I don't know if you caught it. Uh, so I, I just want to point them out. Several supernatural occurrences. 10 verse 3, Cornelius has a vision. Okay? Um, I don't have visions every day. Don't think I've ever had one. Cornelius has a vision. Vision. Pretty supernatural. Now, who's Cornelius? Let's, let's back up and talk about Cornelius a little bit. He's a centurion. Okay? He's a Roman military commanding officer. That's what it would be like today, a, a commanding officer in the military. For the Romans, he's a Gentile, though, which means he's just not Jewish. Now, it says here that he feared and honored God. He was like the Ethiopian eunuch we saw a few chapters earlier. And others, they, there are other people like this known as god fears, And they were known as this because they weren't Jewish. And they also were not circumcised. So they weren't allowed in the same places that the Jews were in the temple when they came to worship God in Jerusalem. But their hearts were in the right spot. Their hearts were seeking after God. And we also learned about Cornelius, that he's generous. And that he's a prayer. Okay, he didn't just pray. It says he prays continually. Okay, this guy is pretty hardcore. And then Cornelius has a vision. It's at 3 p.m. And it uses the language here. It says, clearly, this vision happened clearly. And that's how we know it was God. It was at 3 p.m., okay, in broad daylight. It wasn't Cornelius just kind of daydreaming, okay? It wasn't Cornelius in the middle of the night, half awake, half asleep, you know, when you have that annoying, like, half awake, half asleep, not really sure what's real and what's not, and you wake up, and you're like, yeah, that, I was totally asleep the whole time, sort of thing. It wasn't that, okay? It wasn't his imagination. He wasn't dreaming. This is 3 p.m., so that God would show clearly that he's up to something. This is a vision from God. And then we see the second supernatural thing, an angel is speaking to Cornelius in verses three through six. And Cornelius, it it says he just stared at him in terror. And that's how we know it's God. Because if you read the Bible... Every time someone encounters an angel or encounters God or glimpses of God and even of his glory. And here it's just, it's just an angel of God. People are afraid. They're usually falling on their faces. They don't know what to say because they're so scared. So we know this is God. We know this is his angel speaking. In verse 4 he says, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And this goes right along with what Jesus taught as well. Jesus, when He was talking to a Samaritan woman in John 4.23 said this, and it's up on the screen, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. See, God is seeking people like Cornelius. People who hunger for Him. People who thirst for him, but don't know him. Or at least don't know him relationally and don't know him fully. And so an angel appears to him. And then uh, we see in verse 10, Peter goes into a trance. Okay, And then God is speaking to him. And he speaks to him three times the same thing because Peter just doesn't get it. And that's true of Peter a lot, right? There's this, there's this thing with three with Peter. And that's how we know this is God here right? Because Peter denies Jesus three times. And then after Jesus rises from the dead, asks him, hey, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? To Peter three times. Whenever God is up to something in Peter's life, it's in threes. And so God is speaking in verses 10 to 16 to Peter. And this kind of strange thing happens. It's like cornucopia of animals on a sheet. Come down. It's like a zoo on a sheet before him. Okay, I, I mean I can't even imagine that. But but there it is, and so all sorts of animals animals that according to Levitical law in in Leviticus, um, which God spoke, it's God's word. So you can imagine why Peter is struggling here. All of them um, are there. So it's like unclean and clean, um, both all mixed. And God's like, kill them all and eat. And he's like, no, I'm not going to disobey you, God. And so. God says it three times to show him, yeah, this is me. Yes, I understand that I said that in Leviticus, but it is a new day. And there is no unclean food anymore. And I'm going to make this super clear to you by saying it three times. He's preparing Peter, though, not just to eat snakes or whatever. I don't know if they ate snakes. I, I, the snakes get me. If I saw snakes on there, I'd run. But anyway, um, here he is. And he sees all these animals, and God is preparing him not for eating food, but he's preparing them to welcome unclean, unclean, according to Levitical law, people. This is about people, and Peter gets that without God telling him that explicitly. The good news of Jesus is now available to all because of what Jesus has done. Another supernatural thing. Did did you see the placement of people in this story? God places Cornelius' men at the door. It says in verse 17, Behold, as as, as soon as Peter gets done with his trance where he sees all this stuff, behold, these people are at his door. It's still fresh in Peter's mind. And then we see the Spirit speaking. The Holy Spirit is now center stage speaking. Hey, Pete, here they are. They're here. Go. It's clearly God that's orchestrating all of this. We also know this because it clearly wasn't Peter orchestrating all this. Read chapter 10, 25 and 26 with me again. It says, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, Stand up, I too am a man. See, Peter doesn't even pretend that he's something here. He doesn't even pretend that he's anything. He's like, no, this is God. See, Peter needed all of these signs all these miraculous supernatural things to get him to share the good news of Jesus with the gentiles. He probably wasn't very happy about it. I want you to notice Peter's speech, verses 34 to 43. His speech here, his presentation of the good news of Jesus credits God over and over and over. I don't know if you noticed that. I want to read this again and emphasize every time it mentions God, He, Him, His, Jesus, Lord, Holy Spirit. Um, counting has never been my forte, but I think it's 28 times in this short, short section. So you can fact check me later. Um, verse 34, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Did you catch it? Peter makes it all about God, not about Him. We could take a, a, a note, a page from Peter's playbook here in sharing the gospel, right? I want to I share my story with you. No, actually, let's just share God's story with them. Weave our story in there if we can. It's clear how everyone was convinced that the good news of Jesus is for everyone. God. Second point, they're given the Holy Spirit. The Gentiles are given the Holy Spirit. That's how we know the good news is for everyone. Chapter 10, 44 through 46 highlights this. And clearly, clearly this is a sign to Jews that all, including Gentiles, get the good news of Jesus. And we know that because it's super similar to Pentecost in Acts 2, if you remember that. So in verse 44, the Holy Spirit falls. Bam! Without warning, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. This is God's ultimate seal of approval to the Gentiles. The gift of Himself. Here's myself living inside of you. Could you think of a more personal gift? The Holy Spirit falls and it falls on the Gentiles. And then Look at the response of the Jews in verse 45. They're amazed. Chapter 2, verse 7, everyone who is around, who sees these people, Peter being one of them, it says they were amazed and astonished. See, same reaction. God's setting this up so it's the same, well, very similar at least, circumstance. And they have a similar response. It's jaw-dropping. The good news of Jesus, wow, it really is for everyone, not just for the Jews. And you see the response by the Gentiles. They start speaking in tongues. Just like in Pentecost. Just like in Acts 2. This is confirming that the good news of Jesus is as much for the Gentiles as it is for the Jews. Because they had the same type of experience to prove that to these Jews. Now I just want to say here that this is descriptive, not prescriptive. I know I've said that a lot, but it's really important to repeat that in the book of Acts. But how do we know that this is descriptive? Them speaking in tongues right after they receive the Holy Spirit and not prescriptive. How do we know that? Here's how we know. Peter and John, who are center stage here. We don't know if John's here, but it's likely that he's here at this point in chapter 11 at least. Peter and John say absolutely nothing about speaking in tongues the moment after you believe in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. They had plenty of chances to. 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Gospel of John, Revelation. They had all sorts of opportunities to say that. But you know what they said said instead, over and over and over? They said, believe. Believe in Jesus. See, if God wants things to be prescriptive, to, to just take from Acts and use in our everyday life, one-to-one, he's going to repeat it. Because this is a story. This is a story and not straight commands from God. It's narrative. And the point is that they were praising God with these tongues. It says they were extolling God. This is synonymous in the Greek, which is the original language, with chapter 2, verse 11, when it says they were telling mighty works of God. They just couldn't shut up about God. That's what's happening here. They're praising God. It's clear that all were convinced that the good news of Jesus is for all through the Holy Spirit given to the Gentiles. Third point. Third point, Peter didn't stand in God's way. 10 verse 34, it says he opened his mouth. He just opened his mouth. But he did it boldly. And he did it when the time was right. He could have made a case from Leviticus not to share the good news of Jesus with these Gentiles. He said, nope, not doing it. Not supposed to. Instead, he got these strong hints from God that this was not just about food. This was about people. And he, he got it. He's like, okay, God, okay. Let's do this. And then look at verses 47 48. I think this is really interesting. He asks a question. Uh, is everyone cool with this? Um, anyone got any objections to having them baptized? Because I guess that's the next step. just making sure right he could have just gone wow wow i need some time to process this let me go have some alone time no he goes anyone going to object to having these guys baptized let's do it let's move forward this is crazy but let's roll because this is clearly god up to something this is god working he's not defensive when he's accused either in chapter 11 He's not defensive. In 11 verse 4, he just explains. He simply just explains what happened. He could have kept uh, that supernatural stuff that he just experienced to himself. Okay, He could have just said, hey, trust me, I'm Peter. Jesus said that he's building his church on me. Trust me, the gospel is for the Gentiles. Don't worry about what just happened. He could have defensively said, hey, chill out. Chill out, you spaz cakes. This is probably just a one-time deal with the Gentiles, okay? Chill out already. It's not a big deal. It's not going to happen again. The Gospel is just for the Jews. But he's like, no. I'm going to obey God. And I'm just going to explain. I'm just going to open my mouth. And he didn't stand in God's way with disobedience, with distrust, or with questioning. He went with it. Even though it was unexpected and probably not preferred. So, 2018. Iowa. What do we do with this? Why does that matter? How do we apply this to our lives? Well, I want to ask a few questions. First question, are you convinced that the good news of Jesus is for all? Are you convinced That the good news of Jesus is for all. For all nations. For all nationalities. For every language. For every race. Are you convinced that the good news of Jesus is for all? Are you convinced that the good news of Jesus is for every personality? Including the annoying people in your life. Annoying to you anyway. Are you convinced of that? That it's for every type of personality. Are you convinced that it's for all people, including that unlikely person to believe in Jesus that you wrote down a few weeks ago? Are you convinced of that? And here's why I use the word convinced. Convinced means you're not just saying, I believe something. It's it's moved beyond belief to action. You put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. So, What in your life shows that you're convinced that the good news of Jesus is for all? Are you praying for other countries? Are you praying for all sorts of people groups to come to know Jesus? Are you looking around you to your neighbors, to your friends, to your co-workers who doesn't know Jesus and regardless of my biases or my judgments, they need Jesus. When we lived in Marshall, Minnesota, and I was a youth pastor at the time, um, we had some neighbors. We were living in an apartment complex, and we had some neighbors who were Somalian, and they literally lived from here to here away from us, just across, across the hallway. I don't know their names. I never knew their names, much less talked to them about Jesus or just got to know them. Because in practice, I I wasn't convinced that the good news is for all. And I'm I'm ashamed of that. Are you supporting missions? Are you supporting short-term missions? Are you going on trips? Are you supporting missions financially? Our church supports missions financially. Why? Because we're convinced at Stonebridge Church that the good news of Jesus is for all. And so, when we ask you to give generously to Stonebridge Church, we're not just saying do that because we need money. We're saying that because we care about the nations. When you give here, you give to the nations. There's all sorts of other ways to give to the nations as well, right? Are you convinced that the good news of Jesus is for all? Another question, are you standing in God's way? Well, the follow-up question is, can you stand in God's way? No, he's got a sovereign, perfect plan that includes our idiocracy. But disobedience and not going with what God clearly gives us and speaks to us, when we do that, we miss out on being a part of God's work. And we have to deal with regret. And earthly consequences of that disobedience. Because, yes, God does forgive us of all sin, but there are still earthly consequences for our sin, even as believers in Jesus. And when we say no to Him, we're in a sense standing in His way and being disobedient and sinful. So, are you not opening your mouth when you should? Did you know that you have people like Cornelius in your life right now? People that you probably don't even expect or realize, who are hungry. People like Cornelius, who God is working on their heart. They may be even be praying and reading a Bible on occasion. And they just need you to open your mouth and talk about Jesus with them. But you're too afraid. I'm too afraid. Do you see the gravity of this? Are we standing in God's way? Use those windows. Use those doors and conversations to share about Jesus. When someone asks you inevitably tomorrow how your weekend was, you're here today, aren't you? Will you include the fact that you went to church? I'm not saying that will even bring that conversation anywhere. But it could. Because if they're like Cornelius, they're going to latch on to that and start asking you questions. People ask all the time, how are you doing? Maybe you're not doing too well. And you say, you know what? I'm having a hard time being joyful even though I have all the reason in the world to be. See how that could open up a conversation. You could say, "I'm I'm better than I deserve." Why are you better than you deserve? Open door. See these windows are all over in conversations. We just got to get creative. What are people asking you all the time that you could that you could uh, give some answers that would would just kind of test the waters to see if they are like a Cornelius and ready. You know, I was at. Um, I went to Family Video a couple Wednesdays ago. I I had taught here at Youth Group. I was just teaching on the love of God. We're going through um, attributes of God in Youth Group, which has been a lot of fun. But I I was just teaching on the love of God that night. On my way home, I stopped at Family Video. And I was asked by the clerk how my night was going. And I said, fantastic. And I said it just like that. And she looked at me like, okay, continue. And I didn't say a thing. Right after teaching at youth group about the love of God. Matt, (laughs) share why it was fantastic. You may be like, what do I say? I don't, you know, I don't, how do I... Share the Gospel. How do I share the good news of Jesus? And, and I know, I know from, from talking to people that a great way to do that and how people are definitely doing this is inviting people to church. Keep doing that. That's fantastic. They are going to hear the good news of Jesus here every week. I promise you that. However, most people need someone to take them aside after a church service and say, hey, what you, do you think of that? Or what do you think of this scripture? Let's talk about it. It can't end there. Here is what you can say: Just read Acts ten thirty-eight through forty-three. Read Peter's sermon; he does a great job. Why don't Why don't you just use him? Acts two, Acts four, Acts five all have clear gospel presentations presentations of the good news of Jesus for you other places as well but acts is just full of those you don't need fancy booklets and acronyms i mean those are helpful sometimes i'm not knocking them they they've been effective in some people's lives but i'm just saying like it's not that hard read let god speak for himself and then follow up. Ask, what's this say about God? What's this say about Jesus? What's this say about humans? And then verse 43, chapter 10, 43. Well, it looks like you need to believe. Have you believed? It's simple. You can do it. Are you not obeying God when He's clearly telling you to do something? See, what if Peter or Cornelius had disobeyed God here? What if Mary and Joseph unlikely random teenagers used to bring the Savior into the world just said, nope, I don't want to be part of that God. And then later they find out that God used this other couple and they went, oh, man, you know the regret they would have lived in the rest of their lives? Are you not obeying God when He's clearly telling you to do something? Not just with sharing the good news of Jesus, but with with anything. You probably have something coming to your mind right now, and and certainly you need to test everything with Scripture, because God's not going to say something to you that doesn't line up with Scripture. But listen to Him. Look in Scripture. Confirm it, and then obey immediately. Don't stand in God's way. A great question to ask around the dinner table, to ask a connection group. Would be this. What is God clearly telling you to do right now that you're not? What's God clearly telling you to do right now that you're not? Are you standing in God's way? So, do you believe? Are you convinced that the good news of Jesus is for all? I'm sure most of us would go, yep, I do. Well, fantastic. That is awesome. Now do something today, do something this week to prove it. Let's pray. God, I thank you that the good news is not just for the Jews, because none of us, as far as I know, in this room would have no chance then. I thank you that the good news is not just for us in this room. The good news is for everybody. So I pray that you would just give us boldness and strength to share it with others, to open our mouths. And I pray for those things, God, that you brought to mind this morning. Those things where you, we know that you're calling us to do something and we just haven't done it. Give us strength by your Holy Spirit to walk in obedience today in those things, Lord, and listen to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.